Welcome to the Cornerstone Truth New Creation Podcast. Each week we'll explore fundamental truths about the genuine love of Christ being manifest through His people, the Church. During these studies, we will discover that the sincere love of Christ flows from a pure heart, a good conscience, and a sincere faith. This is the goal of our instruction, and we are so thankful you're listening today. tell you, I asked a young man to come over and help me yesterday around my yard. He worked me to death. I am so sore. Oh, thanks, Luke. <laughs> hey, Luke Miniman came over, and if you need a, a worker around your homestead, he came out, and man, he's just a workaholic or something, man. He drove me into the ground, and it was just so, I mean, it was exciting. So much got done, so. Thanks, Luke, for hurting me. It's okay. You're fine, man. That's good stuff. All right. And I was telling both Kevin and Penny, they did good work. And I'm sure your other kids are just as amazing. So thank you very much. All right. Hey, we got some announcements that are very, very important. All right. And I have been given strict orders for you to turn to your bulletin. If you don't have a bulletin, boy, are you in trouble. You got to write this down. This coming Wednesday, Wednesday, the 10th of February, we need your registration forms and your dollars and cents for Oregon Family Camp. Now, you don't have to come for the whole thing, and but we would like you to come for at least a couple of the sessions. Not mine necessarily, but there are a couple great preachers. Uh, there's actually nine of them, but there's a couple that really have a worldwide perspective on what's going on in our world right now. You know, we live in the United States and we get kind of a, a United States kind of focus. Well, we need to recognize and understand that what's going on here is worldwide. It's not just in the United States. So it's got to be a concerted effort, not just by one person, but rather by one who can see and do and work around the world. So it's important for us to understand this is an important family camp, the power of perseverance. And that's what we've been preaching on. So... This Wednesday, the 10th, get your registration form and uh, the information sheet. And uh, I was strictly told that registration form is not good enough. There needs to be some money attached. And if you haven't noticed what the registration amount is, it's a stinking awesome, incredible deal. So if you were to go out to dinner, you'd pay more. Well, I'm sorry, you can't go out to dinner. But when Kate Brown says we can go out to dinner, you spend more on one dinner out with your family than you would for a whole three days of great preaching and great food and great fellowship. So there you go. Did I do a good enough advertisement? Kirk, did I do okay? Okay, good. Uh, all right. Now, next Sunday, next Sunday, right after the morning assembly, we're going to have a little uh, family uh, fellowship lunch. Uh, so bring a little goodies to come along. And then uh, we're going to do some work around the old building. And in the old building to get ready for all the visitors we got coming in in a couple weeks. And so uh, uh, got some good news for you. We got a professional exterminator coming in to exterminate all the pests. And uh, in talking with him, I asked him not to include my name on that list. And so he was fine with not including my name, which was good. Anyway, so uh, uh, that process is going to begin ASAP. So that's kind of exciting. I knew we had some pests around here, a little furrier than I am that uh, will soon be gone. Ones with wings that will soon be gone as well. So praise God for that. But we do need to get the old homestead 
cleaned up for those who are coming in. And uh, so also too, family camp, remember Friday night, 26th of February, right here, we're going to have uh, folks coming in and uh, we're going to have our own Jerry Hoffman uh, coming in from Bozeman to, to lead us off. So he's a great preacher, good friend, great man of God, raised up an awesome family. We've been praying for him and his family for a long time. So let's, uh, let's make sure we get all that done. Now, a couple other announcements real quick. Monday night, uh, college age group still going on. And we're continuing our, our new series on atomic habits, kind of like what Blake was saying in regards to the compounding principle. First you form habits and then they form you. Let's build solid men and women of Christ is really the plan. Wednesday evening, uh, this coming Wednesday evening, 7 o'clock at the Compton Homestead. And uh, we're working through a series on, on developing uh, your correct worldview. If you're a Christian, you want a biblical worldview. And uh, there is a real difference between a carnal, worldly view of the world with no God, man-centered, and then a Christian worldview where, where Christ is the center. And so we've been working on that, and I hope if you can't make it out to our place, you'll tune in as it's on Facebook Live. Uh, also, too, I've talked about uh, uh, family camp. Is there anyone else? Don't raise your hand. Is there anybody else that has a room or two that they could open up to uh, a couple angels from around the country. We do have several people coming in. Some of them have already decided they're, they're going to get a hotel, uh, which is fine. Uh, but if you'd like to stay with a family, uh, please let Melissa know. And uh, again, we need to pray for Melissa that she'll be home today and we can inundate her with all those great registration <laughs> forms. I'm sure she'll love jumping right back into the fray, right? Go ahead. Oh, if you have any today, there you go. If you have any today. If you don't have any today, you could get one today and you could give it to me tonight and I'll stop it by the, the parks, okay? Oh, right, Sunday night's here, seven or uh, six o'clock. Sunday night's here at six o'clock. All right, we got some words of encouragement, but before we do that, we need to sing happy birthday to the happy birthday girl, Julie Drillinger. 19 years old today, Julie, it's correct. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I'm sorry, you're 18. I'm sorry. I'm just trying to bump it up, right? So anyway, Julie, Julie where's, your, where's your husband? Okay, well, we still love him. But anyway, we're, I, I had a really cool tune to sing to you, but because we want everybody to sing, I didn't have time to teach everybody. So maybe tomorrow night, we'll, well, the college age group will sing. So I'm not like Jeff. I can't just pull it off real quick. But we did not sing happy birthday to Brad McKinney. Brad was skipping out. So I did not forget. Okay. So Brad, sorry, Chief. You're going to get sung too. Did you like it when we sang to you, by the way? See? I told everybody you were laughing. And, you know. So here we go. Are you 19 now too? Maybe 20. Maybe 20. Okay. I see a little gray. You're prematurely gray. That's what I thought. Anybody else got a birthday going up this week we can sing to them? All right, everybody's quiet. Here we go. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, God bless you. Happy birthday to you. Yeah. All right, I got some great uh, words of encouragement. Uh, uh, Pat and John, uh, I know you sent this to me last week, and I, I lost it in my car. Don't ever look for something in my car. It's dangerous. Anyway, so here we go. 
It's so nice as we sit at home listening to the service to hear a happy or sometimes not so happy little one or two or several. We know we try to teach them to be quiet, but it takes time for them to learn. So if they are competing with songs or with Bill, we should all be grateful. They are there and will learn about God's love. It's great to know your family is there. And I want to make a note here. We don't have a, a children's church because we don't play church. We don't want our kids to learn to play church because when they get older, then they learn to play church. We're here because life, life is short and we need to serve our Lord Jesus Christ. So uh, as many of us have done before, we've raised up our children. They cry and they scream, but they learn uh, over time as you gently work with them. So we're glad for all the children in the assembly. That's a great thing. And so thanks, Pat. I appreciate that. Thanks, John. All right, here we go. Oh, this one's for me. I'll do that one for last. Luke Finneman, thank you for coming out to the Compton Homestead and helping begin our fencing project. Uh, you, young man, are a hard worker, focused, and diligent. Thank you for a great job. And I am suffering pain today, but that's okay. It's not your fault. <laughs> All right. Heidi, Heidi, Heidi. I am so proud to see the woman of God you've become. Keep the faith, sister. Be courageous. I look forward to seeing what, what, oh, what God has in store for you. There you go. I can't read somebody's writing, but that's okay. No problem. Can we give it up for Heidi? Oh, you are so awesome. All right. You know, when I look around the room and I, I look at Heidi, she's always got this really great smile on her face, and you're a great encouragement. Honestly, you are. So, uh, McKinney family. When you are able to assemble in person, it is so encouraging. We are blessed to be serving together with the family of God. Amen. So it's great to see you. And Ken Weibert, thank you for demonstrating the power of perseverance by repairing and painting at the Kirkpatrick's this last weekend. All right. So, man, you're just a man about town. This is good stuff. It's great. He was a nice fixture at our house this week. He was a nice fixture. As long as he didn't get stuck to the wall or something, right? Oh, so it was a blessing to be there too. All right. So are we going to start calling you a fixture? Yeah, we won't do that. So here we go. Uh, Kurt, so thankful for your example of love and service, even when you have challenges in your life. Amen. That guy is is a steady Eddie. Let's give it up for Kurt. Kurt appreciates him. Okay, this one says, Bill, so thankful for all ways you love and serve people. We are so blessed to have you in our lives. Well, praise the Lord. I'm glad to be alive too, and I'm glad I'm not a pest to at least one person, okay? There we go. All right, we got everything done now? Can we, can we move forward? Okay, good. Grab your Bibles. Book of Revelation. Chapter 14, verse 12, our, one of our anchor verses for this year's theme, the fourth law of momentum, the power of perseverance. If you remember the scriptures in Chronicles where the sons of Issachar understood the times and they knew what needed to be done. I was sharing with someone yesterday, I don't remember who it was because I'm getting old, I'm losing my memory, but but that's okay. They know who they are. Anyway, it was great because I was sharing with them that I had this great idea of this year's annual theme 
And in light of the interesting phenomenon going on of recent back east in D.C., I decided to change the theme. The theme is the power of perseverance. And when I, when I thought that up, I wonder if the Bible has anything to do with perseverance. I wonder if there's anything in there about perseverance. Well, I mean, you can't hardly turn a page without recognizing a principle of perseverance in there. And so Revelation chapter 14 and verse 12. Here is the perseverance of the saints who keep the commandments of God and their faith of Jesus. Faith of Jesus. Check the Greek out. That's actually in there. Faith of Christ. Faith of Jesus. And I want to turn also back to the book of Hebrews in chapter 11. Because Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 1 actually does an excellent job of defining two of the three principles or core facets of faith. Listen to what Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 1 says. It gives two of the, the three very important facets of a biblical faith. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it, for by faith, men of old uh, gained approval. We need to recognize and understand that faith has three parts. A true biblical faith has three parts. A conviction of what is true. Being so convinced, so convicted, that you're willing to change your life to align your life with the truth of God's word. But it goes deeper than that. Assurance is having a sure and absolute confidence in God's word and what he says he is going to do. So when God makes a promise, you can be absolutely sure that he'll fulfill that promise. That's why Jesus was able to go to the cross. Although it was terrible and awful and painful and horrific suffering, the word excruciating came from the cross. The word didn't exist before that. Excruciating. That's how bad it was on the cross. And so we need to recognize and understand that it was his convictions, but his absolute confidence in God's promise that he would be raised from the dead and seated with him forever and eternity, that he was able to powerfully go through the cross to the throne. And the last part of faith, as you well know, is obedience. Obedience. If we really do believe God, that he is sovereign, we'll do what he asks us to do. He'll, we'll do what he commands us to do, and we'll do it with a good attitude. That's really what faith is. It's not just a mental assent that there's a God. It's not just a mental assent that Jesus died on the cross for us. It's more than that. It's conviction. It's a sureness, a confidence and it's a reliance upon his word in obedience as we serve him and he changes the world for us and through us. Now, this morning I want to read one other verse before we begin. And that's the passage in the book of Matthew. If you have your lesson sheet in front of you, it's Matthew in chapter 11. And we're going to read this promise and then we're going to read another promise at the very end of the lesson today. Because when God makes a promise... You can be absolutely, totally sure and confident that he will fulfill that promise. One of the great promises that I've lived my life on that helped me to marry the most amazing woman in the whole world is delight yourself in the Lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart. And I'm so deeply thankful for that promise kept by my Christ 
and I am so thankful for my dear wife. But there are so many promises in the scripture, and this is one of them for every man and woman. Take a look at it. Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30. Read that with me if you wouldn't mind. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you'll find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy. Literally, my yoke is comfortable and pleasant, and my burden is light. Come you all who are weary and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. You know, in this life, there really is no rest. There seems to be a constant and an increasing agitation in our lives. Increasing worry and concern. Increasing fear and frustration. Because things are not normal. Things are uh, uncomfortable because they seem to be always changing. They seem to be always changing the rules. And you can never kind of get your bearing. I don't know if you felt that, but I have felt that. And I've had actually people share with me that struggle. And so I've decided that we're going to have an ice cream social this year, and we're going to plan it. And I mean a big ice cream social like last year, where we had over 100 people, or not last year, the year before, over 100 people, and we were able to garnish $10,000 for orphans in Belarus, and they have been well supplied because of what we did in enjoying eating ice cream. I know you're not supposed to eat ice cream, it's bad for you, but it's good when you're able to help other people that can't help themselves. And we're going to have a men's camp this year. And we're going to have another uh, pumpkin spice holiday bazaar. And we're going to continue to preach until such time they gag us or close our doors. But you know the fun thing is, is we're still going to preach. And we'll preach in homes and we'll preach on the streets. And we'll continue to preach just like Paul, just like Jesus, just like Peter, just like Aristarchus. We're going to continue in the great service of our king. Kingdoms come and go. Rulers and emperors come and go. But our king is forever. And his kingdom is eternal. And we are that kingdom. And so I'm thankful to, to be able to, to preach and teach. I'm thankful for others who are preaching and teaching in alignment with the power of perseverance and those men who are coming here in a few weeks. And so let's jump right in and let's define what does assurance actually mean? Conviction's a pretty easy one. We kind of got that one dialed in. But what is assurance? What does it actually mean? So take a look at point number one in your lesson plan there. Uh, faith is the assurance of things hoped for. What a great statement. Christ's faith, our assurance, our assurance in this life. Well, the word assurance there used in the book of Hebrews in chapter 11 and verse 1 that a word assurance in the King James, King James is substance. Now, faith is, this, is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things unseen. Isn't that how it reads in there, in the King James? I want to let you know that the word uh, assurance, hypostasis, hupo in that uh, word is two words pushed together. Hupo means under, stasis means to stand. 
It means an, a substructure on which we stand. It's something that's immovable, and we know it will not move, it will not change. God's not going to change the rules on us. And if God makes a promise, you know that that promise will be fulfilled. Come you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. If you put your trust in him, and as the Old Testament says over and over and over again, if you wait in him on the Lord, he will provide as you need, not as you think you need, but as you actually need, because God knows you better than you know yourself. And so I love that statement there, that hypostasis is actually two words. But look at that first that, that second check mark, substance. What is substance? If I were to throw this songbook at you and it hit you, you'd go, man, that had a lot of substance and there's a lot of force behind that baby. Yeah, you have a little thump on your head. You can get a hold of it and throw it back at me. That's why I won't throw it at you, okay? Because it has substance. So we need to recognize and understand that God's promises have substance, and so substance leads to confidence. Have you ever seen the, the movie uh, Indiana Jones and the, the, I think it's the Holy Grail or something like that, or the Last Crusade? The Last Crusade, thank you. It had to do with the Grail, the Cup of Christ. How many of you have ever seen that one before? Anybody besides me? Okay, good. I'm not talking just to, you know. I love it when he gets to the, the leap of faith. You remember that? The leap of faith. And you look and it's like, man, he's going to die when he takes that leap of faith. There's no way he gets around. He's not going to be able to get over there. But he goes and he believes because God, or the little notebook said, the leap of faith. The man of God will take the leap of faith. Well, that's not in the Bible, but faith is a substance. And so it was a beautiful picture because when he takes that step, was there substance there? You couldn't see it, but there was substance there. I love that one. And then he steps back and he throws a little dirt on it. Oh, hey, there is substance. You know what? Test God when he makes a promise. Test God when he makes a promise. Come to me, you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. You need to understand what that means to come to him. You don't have to worry about defining weary and heavy laden. I mean, it's a constant in this life if we don't have faith. But fear can go away. Worry can go away. And you can live, even though the world is burning down around you, you can live in a state without fear. Some of you read the book, Fox's Book of Martyrs. And there were Christians in the first century that were being burned at the stake in Nero's summer garden. And as the flames began to lick up, they would preach even more intently to the people. Save yourselves from this perverse generation and the fire that is to come that is eternal. Men and women who were impaled, who could still speak, spoke of the fire that would not end and that they should repent. The people in the audience trying to have a nice dinner with Nero. Those guys were so convicted and so sure that they would stand before King Jesus and hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant, they were willing to preach. And you know why that happened? It's because hundreds, thousands of people saw Jesus raised from the dead. One of them got to stick his finger in the nail hole. 
and his hand where the spear went into his body. And he believed, he fell on his knees and said, my Lord and my God. Now, if you saw a dead man rising and told you that, well, I'm going to go to the cross to die for your sins and I'm going to be raised on the third day, and you actually saw him die on the cross, get speared through, you know, and then he comes back and goes, hey, check it out, I made it. I told you I would. Would you shut down when someone says, I'm going to kill you? Oh, really? I know a guy. I know a guy. Ain't nothing you can do to me, chief. That's what it was like in the first century. Now, history has borne out that people that had that conviction and that faith were confident, absolutely confident. Now, look at that next, that next word there. Well, I'm sorry, firm and trust. I missed one. Firm and trust. The results of your courageous resolve, knowing that Jesus is going to follow through on his part in this relationship. The next one is confidence. The confidence which is going to lead you to do what you personally, you humanly could not do, you do because you know that God is faithful to his promise. The word there, a guarantee, a guarantee. You know, the word faith, the word assurance, actually means a guarantee. Do you know what a, do you know what a, let's see, I gotta read my notes here, a title deed is? The deed where the title is turned over to you. Do I own my house? Who owns my house? The mortgage company owns my house. I'm taking care of their house. In fact, Luke came over and we were shopping down some of their blackberries. I know they don't want blackberries on their property, on their house. But there's coming a day soon when we're going to pay our last installment. And guess what? That house will be our house. Those blackberries will be my blackberries. And they will die. So you need to see and understand that when God promises that he's going to do something, he'll follow through. Now, I want to share with you how real, realistic that is. When Sharon and I sold our first home, nobody was, nobody was looking at it. Nobody was looking at it. Somebody just happened to be at the right place at the right time, and they came, and they saw our house. They loved it, and they gave 50% down payment cash as earnest money. You think those guys are going to back out? Nope, they're not backing out. Sharon goes, and I was at a, a camp or something. Sharon goes, hey, they gave 50% cash down. Should we take it? Yes! 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 It's sold! Yes! They're not backing out of that, baby. Why? They paid so much. God gave his son. He crushed his son to buy you back from the devil. He gave us his Holy Spirit. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13 and 14. As a down payment, the Holy Spirit in us is the earnest, the down payment. It says that he's given the fullness of deity in our bodies. That's a down payment. Jesus, or God through Jesus, paid it all. You think he's coming back for his possession? What do you think? Well, he promised and he's guaranteed it. So what can man do to me? Make me hurt for a little while? Yes. Maybe make me hurt for a long while? Yeah, but not for an eternity. Not for an eternity. And you know what? Even if they were to kill me or you, guess what? Thank you very much. I get to go home. No more pain. No more sorrow. No more tears. 
If you understand what we have in Christ Jesus, that's what we have. And so if they impale us, if we have that faith, we can preach, we get to preach one more sermon. Now, you know, I'm excited about that possibility. We get to preach one more sermon. That's how it was for them because they were eyewitnesses. But we are witnesses through the completed New Testament. We have everything that we need for life and godliness right here. Now, why did I ask you to test God? Because he guarantees that he makes a statement, he'll follow through. There's been so many times that Sharon and I have gone, eh, that doesn't look like it's going to work. It looks like a trap when we read the scriptures. And we go back and we examine to make sure it's not a trap, that we don't we misunderstood it. And then we go ahead and we do that proverbial step of faith. And it's amazing what ends up happening. We end up being better off than what we were before when we were in control. We're so smart. Not really. We need to recognize and understand that God's the one that created everything, so he knows everything, so he knows how to make it work. I'm absolutely sure of that, and that's where we need to get. Now, will the devil try to shake me out? Sure. Will he try to shake you out? Absolutely. What do you think is going on here, folks? That's what's happening in this world, not just in the United States. We need to recognize that. It, what's happening is not just flesh and blood. There is a spiritual element, a real spiritual element, and what we see happening are only symptoms of what's going on in the spiritual realm. And that's why a meme I recently saw is so valuable. Is your church a cruise liner or a battleship? Well, I would say the Lord's church, not mine. The Lord's church is designed as an overwhelmingly conquering army. So I'll pick the battleship, thank you, versus the cruise ship. Now, a lot of churches are not going that way. Well, let's give them the cruise ship experience, okay? I'm not going to do the cruise ship experience. I want to do the battleship to prepare you for what is to come. And I don't know what's coming, but I've seen, I see evidence of what's coming. So that's why, look at, at the second uh, verse, or the, excuse me, the second definition of assurance. It's an amazing word. It's two words smashed together. Pleorphoria. Pleors is full, and Pharaoh is to carry. To carry in full. Literally, as you see there, uh, it means to what? It means to be full, abundance, overwhelming, overflowing. The second one is full, full of assurance, full of trust. And the last one is complete, complete and total confidence. Now, I want to take a look at Hebrews chapter 6. Turn with me to Hebrews in chapter 6. And let's take a look at verses 10 through 12. Hebrews chapter 6, verses 10 through 12. For God is not unjust so as to forget your work and the love which you have shown toward his name in having ministered and in still ministering to the saints. And we desire that each one of you show the same diligence so as to realize the full assurance, the total confidence of hope until the end so that you will not be sluggish but imitators of those who through faith the faith found in Hebrews 11.1, 1, 
the, that, so that you will not be sluggish, but be imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises of God. Now, brother, we need to recognize and understand that we need to have full assurance of what God has promised, what we are hopeful for, we will receive. You know, when I was a young man, I shared with you, uh, I found, by the grace of God, Psalms 37, 4, delight yourself in the Lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart. I really wanted to be married. I didn't want to be alone. But because before I was a Christian, every single time I made horrible decisions and choices on the young person or the young lady that I would spend time with. Damaged me and damaged her. Always ended up in broken hearts because I thought I was smart enough. And so you know the story. I gave up on that. And when I met a young lady in the church who was a Christian, I asked her to meet with the older gentleman, uh, Grandpa Penny, who I trusted with my life. I wish it would have been my dad, but my dad never became a Christian. But Grandpa Penny was a good man. And I trusted him with my life. And I asked him, if I bring a young lady over to introduce her to my grandpa, which he was my adopted grandpa. Anybody else have an adopted grandpa on here that you chose to adopt him? You got a couple? Yeah? All right. A couple nods. So I'd bring them over, and then Grandpa Penny would tell me later on, you know what? God's got better for you. He's got better for you. So I waited and waited and waited. And the last time I saw Grandpa Penny, as you've heard this story before, but I need to tell it again because it's my life and it's truth and it's God fulfilling his promise. I brought Sharon over when he was blind and he was in a nursing home and we had lunch with him kind of. <laughs> yeah, Sharon got to spend time with him and I was wandering around the building looking for some water, waiting for him to spend time with Sharon. And when I finally brought the water in and gave it to him, we gave him a hug and said we needed to go. And as we were going, Sharon and I were at the door and remember he, he says, honey, because he called me honey. Honey, weird. But he wasn't weird. He was, he loved me like a grandson. Honey, come here. And he got me close and he said, marry her quick. God fulfilled his promise to me through a very good man, a man of God, a man who trusted Jesus more than anyone or anything. And I learned to trust him. And I want to be, as I've told you before, I want to be like Grandpa Penny when I grow up. It's so important for us to recognize and understand God is faithful to his promise. He's promising that whatever your hope is in Christ Jesus, based upon God's word, he'll deliver. My hope is I will stand with him someday and hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant, enter into your rest. And I'm making good on my side of that relationship. I'm striving to please him in every way. And every time I do something that he calls me to do, there's a blessing, not a curse in that. There's a blessing, not a curse, because he blesses the sons and daughters who are willing to do what he calls them to do. Brethren, the second verse or passage there I, I want you to take a look at is Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19 through 25. Hebrews 10, verse 19 through 25. What amazing passage of scripture here as well, speaking once again of the assurance that we have in Christ Jesus. Hebrews 10, beginning in verse 19. He says, therefore, brethren, since we have confidence, there's that word, confidence to enter the holy place 
literally heaven by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which he inaugurated for us through the veil that is his flesh. And since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near, not fearful of being punished, but what does it say? Let us draw near with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. Let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds, not forsaking our own assembling together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day drawing near. Someone gave me a book about the end times just two days ago. It's a big fat book. I looked at how much they're charging for it. Nearly 40 bucks. I've read enough scripture to know that all I got to do is a little skimming to see if it's a money maker or if it's a truth teller. What do you think I found? It's a money maker. They got good pictures in there too. I love looking at pictures. It's a money maker. Brethren, the book of Revelation is not talking about all the stuff that's happening right now. It's talking about all the stuff that's been happening since the church was established. That's when the devil started going wild because the church of Jesus Christ was established. The kingdom eternal. Human beings can now glorify God, show the character of Christ in their bodies through their words. He is working overtime to destroy the church. And it says that at some point, Satan is going to have control of all the nations and their armies. The United States has been a holdout, I believe. It's been a sovereign state, an independent republic, a constitutional republic. But once that's done, then Satan will have all of the armies of the earth at his beck and call. And it says in the scriptures in Revelation 19, right near the end, that he's going to take those armies and he's going to surround the camp of the saints. Now, he can't do that geographically. It's impossible. It's impossible to get all of us, because there's a lot of us who are underground in China and Myanmar and Vietnam and Cambodia. Who knows, there might be some underground here someday. The reality is, is they're going to put a gag order on the gospel so the gospel can't go out. Brethren, we need to preach the gospel until the last day. You know, when the Soviet Union took over Belarus, the Soviet Union marched in and took Belarus and they killed all of the intellectuals there. And I know this for a fact. And they dumped them in a big mass grave outside of the capital city of Minsk. I've seen that grave. So it's important for us to recognize and understand that there was a church that continued. And I'll tell you how it worked. One of their top Soviet scientists lived in Minsk. His son named Sasha. His son named Sasha Chernitsky. Some of you have met him. He's spoken here. When he was a little boy, his grandma before the Russian Revolution had a Bible. And she kept that Bible. And when things collapsed, she kept it tight. And when her grandson got old enough to read it, she said, promise me if you love your your 
uh, granny, your babushka. Do not let your dad see this. His dad was a Soviet scientist. Had one of the nicest places in the capital city of Minsk. And so Sasha Chernitsky feigned sickness for three days. And he stayed in his room as his dad went off to work. And he read the Bible, read the Bible, read the Bible, read the Bible. And then when they started to sneak Bibles into the country, he made sure that he was at the right place at the right time to get his own copy. He's a good man who stayed in Belarus to serve the orphans and widows. You know how he figured that one out? From the Bible. Soviets could give a rip about orphans and widows. But he had the scriptures. Now let's close with an illustration. An illustration that's easy to see. We need to follow in the footsteps of Jesus. Amen? So let's take a look. Point number two, very quick. Let's follow, look at one example of Jesus, one example of us, and then let's get another promise from the Lord. Here we go. Take a look with me at 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2. Verse 21. Read with me, please. Beginning in verse 21, reading down through verse 24. I would say this is one of my favorite passages in the scripture, but you knew I'd be lying. It's one of my, my, one of my many favorites. Here we go. For you have been called for this purpose. He's talking to Christians. For you have been called for this purpose, since Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example for you to follow in his steps. He committed no sin, nor was any deceit found in his mouth. And while being reviled, he did not revile in return. While suffering... He uttered no threats, but here's the key here. But kept entrusting himself to him who judges righteously. He had absolute confidence in what God said he would do for him. He knew he had to go to the cross. He knew he had to suffer horribly. He knew he had to be killed and buried. He knew that he was going to come from the grave. He knew that he would ascend into heaven. Remember last week? Knowing that the ascension was near, he set his face like flint to go to Jerusalem so that he could be nailed to a cross, so that you and I would have hope of heaven and a life blessed here. Well, notice what it says there. It says, but kept entrusting himself to him who judges righteously, and he, Jesus himself, bore our sins in his body on the cross. Why? So that we might die to sin, that sin might be separated from us, and that we would live righteously for him, because by his wounds we were healed. Jesus entrusted himself fully to God, knowing that God had promised to raise him from the dead and seat him in his right hand. He knew that was true. By the way, did he know that coming into this world? He was a little baby. He was incubated for nine months. He came out of whom he didn't know nothing. But the angel spoke to his folks, and his folks spoke to him. And that's why he said to his mom at 12 years old, what are you worried about, Mom? Didn't you know I had to be about my father's business? Like, duh, Mom, you're the one that told me. <laughs> I'm the son of God. Isn't that great? And so he was able to speak with people about the sacrifice he'd make, and he's okay with that. Because he trusted God and had complete confidence. Now what about us? Same book, a couple chapters later. Look at chapter 4. 1 Peter chapter 4. Same exact calling with which Jesus lived his life trusting God fully. 
we are called to do the same. Would you read with me now in 1 Peter in chapter 4? And let's begin in verse 12. This is a great passage. Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal among you, which comes upon you for your testing, as though some strange thing were happening to you. But to the degree that you share the sufferings of Christ, keep on rejoicing, so that also at the revelation of his glory, you may rejoice with exaltation. Now, if you are reviled, same word as what they did to Jesus, if you're reviled for the name of Christ, you're blessed because the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. Make sure that none of you suffers as a murderer or a thief or evildoer or a troublesome meddler. But if anyone suffers as a Christian, he's not to be ashamed, but to glorify God in this name. Glorify God in the name Christian. Reading on it says, for it's time for judgment to begin with the household of God. And if it begins with us first, what will become of, the, of those who do not obey the gospel of God? If it's with difficulty that the righteous is saved, what will become of the godless man and sinner? Verse 19, are you ready? There it is, verse 19. Therefore, those who suffer according to the will of God shall entrust their souls to a faithful creator in doing what is right. Satan wants us to shut up and stand down. Did you catch that? She, Satan wants us to shut up and stand down. Well, I'm not going to do that. Some things happened to me this last week where Satan's wanting me to shut up about supporting our good men and women in blue. Well, guess what? It ain't going to work. I don't care who tells me I can't speak. I'm going to speak. I'm going to speak. Because if you understand what the scripture says, it says those men and women, whether they know it or not, are ministers of God bearing the sword to protect the innocent and to destroy the guilty. That's what the good book says. Now, you may not appreciate what my stand is, but I'm going to go with the word of God. I'm going to trust in him. I'm going to keep my mouth moving in teaching the truth. I'm going to live it, and I'm going to teach it. Brethren, we need to do that. Do not shut up, because that's what Satan wants. Do not stand down, because that's what Satan wants. Remember when the Lord comes back, there's only two groups of people. Ones who are going to stand up and rejoice in the glory that is to be given to them and those who are finding rocks to get underneath because of the judgment coming. Don't stand down, stand up. Don't shut up, speak up. Now here's the promise. Are you ready for this promise? My wife and I are living this promise and I know many of you are living this promise. God promised it, Jesus promised it, therefore it has come true in our lives and I know it can come true in yours as well. Take a look at me, with me, don't look at me, look with me to Mark chapter 10. I know it can be kind of scary looking at me this long, but Mark chapter 10 and take a look at this very short passage of scripture. I encourage you to read it in context. It's about the rich young ruler comes up to Jesus and says, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus tells him, and, and he gets all excited, and then Jesus says, you lack one thing. It's a simple thing, but he decides he doesn't want to do that. But notice Peter, who is very, came from a very wealthy family. James and John came from a wealthy family as well. Notice what happens here. Uh, verse 28, Peter began to say to him, Behold, Lord, we've left everything to follow you. We on the same page? 
Mark chapter 10, verse 28. I don't want to miss this. This is a good, this is a good promise. It says, Peter began to say, Behold, we have left everything to follow you, Lord. Jesus said, Truly I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or farms for my sake and for the gospel's sake, but that he will receive a hundred times as much now in the present age, houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and farms, along with persecutions, and in the age to come, eternal life. But many of you are first will be last and the last first. Did you catch that? If you will give everything up to serve the Lord Jesus Christ, you're going to get a hundredfold blessing in this life. That's not a hundred more dollars for every dollar you give. I'm not talking about that. I don't believe in that prosperity doctrine nonsense. And you know I don't like speaking about money. You just give what you want to give. All right? It's between you and the Lord. What I'm talking about here is God providing with you something that you can't get yourself. When I go over to Belarus, and I always think about this, I get choked up. There's an old lady over there, a babushka. Two years ago, I had the opportunity to go over and, and meeting her. She's the mom of one of the orphanage directors, and I got to meet her finally. Her name is Eugene. Jeannie, I don't know how you say it in, in Russian. But anyway, she is short and she's just the cutest old lady you've ever seen in your life. And I went there and she's, oh, she's never seen an American before. Oh, she's all happy and give me a hug. And she's going to run for me. And I have no clue what she's saying. She's just telling her, oh, you're so excited. You brought an American here. It's so exciting. And she's showing me her great garden. Well, this last year, a businessman in town gave a thousand dollars and he said, I want you to bless the people in Belarus. One of the guys from Springfield Chamber of Commerce says, I want you to bless the people in Belarus. So I sent $200 to this sweet babushka and she bought a rototiller and talk about the smile on her. She's got this big garden, right? And she's rototilling her garden. Woohoo! Yeah, baby. And you know what? She had to do that all by hand. And it's because you and I have loved the orphans and widows in Belarus. Here's an old babushka orphan or uh, widow. And we're visiting her in her distress. And we were able to give her $200. And now the blessing comes. You know what? I am welcome in that home. That little cottage outside of the city of Oktoberskaya is a home away from home. It's a dom mili dom, home sweet home, dom mili dom. And I have a grandma there in Belarus that loves me, and she can't wait for me to come over and make pickles with her. And I have to tell you, I'm excited. And someday, it's my prayer that she'll come to know the Lord Jesus Christ Personally, she's meeting, meeting him through me. But my prayer is that I may come back someday and say, I immersed her into Christ, and now she is our sister and uh, a true babushka. Brethren, I have more grandmas and grandpas than I could count in the Lord. 
Grandpa Penny was the first of many. I have moms that are waiting for me in heaven. Sadly, my mom never wanted to know anything about God. But I got moms like Grandma Peggy in heaven waiting for me. Grandmas, or moms. I don't know about you, but I got more grandmas and, and more moms and more dads and more grandpas and more brothers and sisters in, in Christ that love me, wants to come over and sacrifice their bodies to help this old man. Thanks, Luke. I mean, it's amazing what we got. We need to recognize and understand that you can't have that blessing outside of Christ. So it's a hundredfold blessing now, and you get heaven as well. Brethren, there's no other place that you can find true rest. There's no other place that you can find true blessings. Only in Christ. Are you confident that when he promises he'll follow through? Absolutely confident? Absolutely sure? If not, let's build that. Because when things get tougher, we need to have that absolute confidence that no matter what happens, God will fulfill his promise. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for the blessing of the morning. Thank you so much for the brethren. Thank you so much, dear Heavenly Father, for the great opportunity to serve you in this great life that you've granted to us. Help us to realize that the power that you grant to us, we can do great things in changing the world by living the life that you've called us to, by using the gifts that you have given to us, by humbling ourselves as it says, come to me, you who are weary, heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Humble yourself before the Lord so that he might grant to us rest and he might grant to us not only a hundredfold blessing, but also life with him for eternity. Help us to persevere, Father, we pray, being fully confident. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. amen. All right, you can stand. Ladies and gentlemen, what did Jesus say to you? He said to go. Get all excited, go tell everybody that Jesus Christ is King. Get all excited, go tell everybody that Jesus Christ is King. Get all excited, go tell everybody that Jesus Christ is King. Jesus Christ is still the King of Kings. King of Kings. All right, let's go do it. Thanks once again for listening. To download today's lesson plan or find out more about Cornerstone Truth Podcast and our church, please go to www.cornerstonetruth.org or email us at thecornerstonetruth at gmail.com. Have a blessed week.